Mariners are heating up. College football's in disarray. And it's the first week of preseason football. Kevin Mendelson returns. I'm Tim Kelly. This is Courts and Fields. Well, we are back from our uh, annual mid-summer break, I guess you would call it. I mean, it's the it's kind of the dead part of the sports year. Last podcast, the ESPYs were happening, I think. So, making his triumphant return, along with producer Stormy, Kevin Mendelson. Kevin, how are you today? Doing good, man. Could be good to be back. It's uh, it's almost football time, or I guess it's technically it is football time. Yeah, technically, yes. I mean, it's it's fake football time, not fantasy, but no, it's you know, it's pretend to get excited football time and. The lows don't matter, and the wins, well, they probably also don't really matter right now. Yes, we'll talk football. We'll talk, we'll talk a lot of football today. Uh, I mean, first things first, uh, the Seattle Mariners are rolling right now. They have, uh, what, eight in a row, seven in a row, seven in a row. Eight, eight in a row. Eight in a row, jeez. As of it's, last uh, night. Happy, happy Felix weekend. Felix into the Hall of Fame this weekend. Uh, the Mariners Hall of Fame, not the... Not the Cooperstown one yet. Sadly, I don't know if he'll make that, but uh, I say that as a huge Felix fan. He's part of a he's part of a weird kind of era, like in between the steroid era and the really the insistence on uh, on war and mm-hmm. the, the the additional stats, um, where like you could look at his numbers 10, 10, 12 years ago and go, man, this guy is an actual human god. But because everyone places such a reliance on wins and losses, he has a thirteen and twelve Cy Young season, and people and, and everyone's ready to storm the gates. It's uh, it's over. Yeah, well, and having a hundred and I think sixty nine wins, and yeah, not quite three thousand Ks, zero playoff appearances. Yeah, not of his own. You know, not of his fault. I mean, how many of his starts? You know, even even before before this podcast became a. A twinkle in the in the back of the eye of one young Tim Kelly. Uh, how many times did we talk about you know just how awful or really anybody talk about just how just ridiculously bad the Mariners' offense was and you know you get you get six or seven innings of one to two run ball out of Felix and you keep losing like the guy the the possibly the most unnecessarily loyal guy I think I've ever seen. Where, yeah, oh yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> you know, how, how many guys at that point, because I saw it with Zach Grinke in Kansas City, he was getting no run support. He won a Cy Young that people looked at and went, uh, should this really be, I mean, yeah, he's dominant, but the team is god-awful. Like, and then he won it out, and he got his way out, and it, it was really a surprise that Felix never did that. No, I, I remember the big rumor was Boston really wanted him, and I feel like, I could be making stuff up, but I feel like there might have been a chance to get Mookie bets at one point. Well, I mean, you know, I'd probably still get him at some point. I don't know how the Dodgers got him for about another 10 years. Yeah, 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> I could be off on that. But, yeah, I mean, there was like a list of like four or five prospects that the Mariners could have just taken their pick of. But uh... Do you put that on, on past ownership or do you put that on Felix maybe going, no, I don't want to leave? Because, I mean, at one point... 
what was it? It was probably 2017. He probably hit his 10-5 status. And, yeah. You know, it was... Uh, 2016, yeah. 16, 17, yeah. So, yeah. at that point, he's looking like, no, I don't want to go. Yeah, I think, I think it's both. I mean, I think... I mean, I, I think sometimes we forget these are human beings. You know, we... Uh, we like to look at it and be like, oh, yeah, no. I mean, you got to want to go somewhere. And, you know, maybe you just really like Seattle. I mean, I, I, I like the area. I mean, I'd like the area a lot more if I was making $20, $30 million a year. That's true. That's a good, uh, good caveat. <laughs> you, you know, so think of how much you and I like uh, the state of Washington mm-hmm. without making uh, that yeah. obscene amount of money. And then you have it. And, you know, it's. Yeah, I mean, still being successful and beloved at the place where you work, because you know fans never wanted him to leave. But I think fans had that point where they kind of looked at it as like, you know, we love you, Felix, but we want you to win something. It's I think kind of what they ran into with Ichiro at some point too. It's like, yes, you are a club legend. You are going into the team hall of fame. You'll probably get to Cooperstown. It's great. It's fantastic. Now go win something because this organization is just like immune to doing that you know whether it's the ownership or wasn't that the bill babassi reign during during felix or Bavasi, please don't please don't bring up babassi's name jack Sorensic. yeah he uh i think we just had a nom flashback for tim oh sorry. yeah no um yeah he 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 had the uh he had the pleasure of playing under both regimes much, oh lucky him much like ichiro got that uh no i mean ownership i mean general General management was, uh, or the general managers were poor. I mean, it's kind of like what you're seeing right now with, uh, you know, I guess make, making the segue into uh, the team now. You have a general manager who, uh, you know, I mean, they only have one playoff appearance, but that's uh, more than the previous two general managers before him. Uh, but, uh, you know, you're... Uh, trending towards 90 wins for the third straight year. Uh, I mean, like this, they're at the same pace. I think a game ahead of the same pace they were last year. But it's because you had somebody that drafted pitching and drafted a bunch of pitching. And that's, you know, I mean, what did Felix have? He never really had a great number two pitcher with him. I mean, there was Cliff Lee briefly, but the team was bad and they needed to get bats that, you know, Justin Smoke didn't really pan out here. And then, I mean, there was, uh, I mean, there were guys around. I'm sure I'm forgetting some legends like Jared Washburn. No, but, you know, but, but you <laughs> know. Bedard. Bedard, yes. Bedard was a terrible <laughs> trade. I mean, again, that was the coup de grace, if you will, of the Bavese era. Zarenzik, I don't even want to know. Gosh, what are we talking about? We then? started so well today. We did, we did. I just am, I'm like, I, I'm ready to just end this podcast because of your offensive language. <laughs> but no, um, it's a lot of, uh, I mean, going back to Felix, now I'm just jumping between topics because I, I need to, you know, flush flush my eyes out of this Bavese and Zarenzik talk. Um you know, I mean, a lot of it, though, too, is I, I think Felix, like we said, just wanted to stay here. Mm-hmm. And he said he didn't really, uh, you know, I there is, I mean, not to be rude to Seattle. You've worked in Seattle media before, too. It's, especially sports media, it's it's, it's a pretty chill place to uh, to be a superstar. Yeah, not a, not a whole lot of pressure. I mean, 
you know, you'll you'll see the the, the main guys. They're going to get their their faces on the posters, and they'll be the ones that you go to for the interviews and be the star. But you know, you don't really see a whole lot of attacking the the guy and, and just being like, well, this is all his fault. Let's run him out of town the way you would in in a New York or a Boston or something like that. It's just kind of like, well, the team struggles, and what's next? You know, what's the next season to look forward to? What are what are we gonna do? We'll just sit here and complain about it and hope that next year's better. I guess. Well, that's what as a Mariner fan, I'm, we're very good at. Um, <laughs> no, but but really, I mean, jumping back into this season, I mean, with the fall of the Athletic, in terms of local media, the Mariners only have one person that is not state-run media that covers the team on a daily basis. Hmm. Ryan Divish of the Seattle Times. The rest of the people that are full-time either work for 710 ESPN Seattle. Excuse me, 710 Seattle Sports. It's seven, <laughs> always, be, always be 710 ESPN Seattle to me. Uh, and uh, Or Root Sports. But The Athletic, when Corey Brock got uh, fired, which was terrible. I mean, you, you know this as a, as, a, as a fan who's, uh, you know... Um, thousands of miles away from your favorite teams mm-hmm. it's nice to have multiple reporters so you oh, get yeah. other stories and you know the team can't pull anything the nice thing is i guess if you're gonna have a time where uh um that you're gonna uh you know be um having one oh whoa i hit a wrong button on a there's a tv in this room and i just Hey, Stormy, can you clean this up? This is this is we're well, getting well. Our good friend, our good friend Kenny Omega, came on the TV screen, and uh, I got a little. Um, a yeah, little I, I, I got yeah. Tim swooned a little. I, I swooned, so uh, I'm now turning the TV off. But um, yeah, I mean, if there's a time to only have one media, it's when you're winning games, right? Yeah. Or uh, I mean, one non-team partner or team employed yeah it, it almost feels like this is the time you want more perspectives on it because you would yes. yeah i mean there's only so many ways that when you're losing you can have so many voices going well it's the pitching or it's the hitting or in most years it's both and everything sucks and you know everyone has a different perspective on who should we trade for who do we sign in free agency and it's usually the same three or four guys and it's just a matter of who you give up in a package to get those guys so you know, nowadays, <clears throat> I think it started this year as, as you know, as you've seen unfold through the year as uh, uh, starting out slow and now everything's turned around again. It feels like everybody's happy to be the, to be around the Mariners again. Yeah. And, and this, you know, this weekend kind of comes at a perfect time where, you know, you celebrate kind of the last, the last piece of that old, uh, of that older era. And now yeah. everything really feels like it can finally and fully move forward into the future you know you've got Ichiro up on the wall you've got Griffey and Buner and now Felix and it's like okay now the past is officially all behind us yep one year or you know one playoff run yep now what a half game out of the playoff out of the second one as, of, right as of this recording a half game behind Toronto you know so it's like here we go now it's slow start but finding the group finding the groove at the right time yeah, it's interesting. Uh, again, uh, as someone on, uh, you know, I, I don't really use Twitter that much as I used to, or 
X, as the kids call it, uh, with their, what do they call it, reposts and quotes, as, as opposed to retweets <laughs> yeah. and quote to, tweets. Like uh, and re and... Yeah. Re-X it. <laughs> but uh, I've been using Reddit, and, uh, you know, as someone on Reddit said, uh, which was hilarious to me, was they referred to it as, you know, like, does... Do, does DePoto know how to motivate this team? And someone responded, well, look at what he does. I mean, <laughs> yeah, he does, actually. He trades one of the beloved relievers. He's done that two out of the last three years and mm-hmm. ticked off the clubhouse. And they go, uh, you know, they go on these win streaks after, you know, I mean. Just to spite him. Just to spite him. <laughs> I mean, granted, in 2021, they just missed the playoffs. But, I mean, this year, since they got rid of Seawald, now – the return on that, uh, Dominic, not Calzone, but that's what we, uh, but uh, my, or, well, friend of the podcast, guest of the podcast, Jordan Youngs, mm-hmm. referred to him as Calzone. Uh, you know, they're hoping he's a Mitch Hanniger type, and they brought in Josh Rojas, who was like O for his first 13. He finally got I just meant 15. he was due. He was due. He finally got a couple <laughs> hits last, last game, and a... Just the beatdown of the uh, Baltimore Orioles. I almost said Ravens there. Uh, and then they have another guy, Ryan Bliss, who's in AAA. So it's kind of that classic, should we or should we not? They DePoto does this weird, like... I mean, the thing is, going to what he's beneficial. He's developed starting pitchers the last four years mm-hmm. to get to this point. Uh, I mean, they... They signed Robbie Ray to a contract, what, before the start of last season? Mm-hmm. Tommy John surgery this year. He'll be out probably most of next season. Mm-hmm. He's going to come back, and they might have a, not have a spot for him. Because you got Logan Gilbert, George Kirby, Luis Castillo, and then uh, this year, uh, Bryce Miller, Brian Wu, and Emerson Hancock have all yeah. made debuts. Now, granted... You now have three pitchers that you could uh, turn into possibly um, off-season yeah. bats. Off, off, off-season uh, currency or yeah. shift their roles or something. And, and, you know, it's funny. You look at, like you said, you, you trade away these valuable pieces because you're right in that kind of almost purgatory-type spot where it's like, well, you know, we're coming into this where we're – Couple games over five hundred. We're five, six games out of the wild card. You know what? What kind of move do we need to make? Last well, trade your one of your best relievers, and then go on an eight game winning streak and make no sense, or keep the greatest player possibly of this generation and now be uh, what are we here? Six and a half games out of the wild card. Uh, if you are the Angels, keeping Shohei Otani. Well, and I mean just to rub salt in the wound. Last weekend, the Mariners went to Anaheim for the and swept the Angels in a four-game series for the first time in two thousand since two thousand five. So almost twenty years, <laughs> they go down there and remember the when that series started, the teams had similar records, mm-hmm. and uh, Cade Marlowe with a grand slam to win that first game, and then. A lot of Angels fans, uh, again, their Reddit has been on fire lately. I, I am enjoying them losing almost as much as I enjoy the Mariners winning. But, but uh, 
Yeah, I mean, it was... There was some vitriol toward, towards Otani. He took a couple of pitches in in those games that they lost. But, I mean, he also smacked a home run. And, you know, he's he's Otani. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, they blew up a lot of their prospects to bring in Lucas Giolito, Cron, uh, Giracek, you know, and what they do? Win, like, three games, four games, and... <laughs> Now, now, granted, obviously, you know, some of this does come with a small asterisk because, you know, Mike Trout's on the injured list. But they weren't, weren't really setting the world on fire when it was Shohei and Trout in the middle of the lineup for the sixth year in a row of absolutely nothing of to return from that. So how angry should Angel, can Angels fans really be right now? You've been low to mid, if at best, the whole time you've had these two, you know, megastars. Now you're putting it all on one guy, hence the Felix sort of thing. We have to kind of tie it back here. Now it's all coming back on one guy because the supporting pieces yeah. can't really can't really do it for him. Well, I mean, as you know, uh, Mike Trout's only postseason play appearance was that'd be the uh, I believe that was the 2014 season, with uh, which culminated uh, he won the MVP that year and uh, proceeded to get swept by the eventual American League champion Kansas City Royals. So you're welcome, Mike Trout. We are, we are your historical footnote. And he has, one, I think he had one or two hits that series. One yeah. hit, I mean, one or two. But, yeah. and then you have, like you said, you have. I mean, some people are saying the greatest player of all time in Otani, just by the based on the fact that he smacks forty home runs and <laughs> goes out there and starts every fifth or sixth day. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, it's. I, I mean, it, it it is crazy. I mean. You can say it's a thin margin. It's been interesting, too, because the Angels have been drafting, like, college players and just shooting them through the farm system mm-hmm. uh, the last couple of years. But, you know, you got to have a plan, and a lot of Mariners fans, myself included, I mean, DePoto showed up. It seemed like he tried to win, then he tried to blow it up, and now it seems like he's got a plan. But his plan, just they can't find the bats. Finally, the bats are waking up mm-hmm. now, but... uh you know, it's been a down year for Julio Rodriguez. But I also think, I mean, as Jordan and I have talked about, I mean, they didn't get the guy any protection. And right. they have a 21-year-old last year that was your offense. And now this year he's 22 and he's having a sophomore slump, which is natural mm-hmm. of a players to have a sophomore slump. But having that without really – I mean, uh, Jordan – when he's been on, talks about their strikeout rates. These, these games they've been winning, though. They've only been striking out. I mean, he, he sends me texts every game. <laughs> hey, you know, what What I really liked about this game, this isn't how Jordan sounds. Everybody knows how Jordan sounds. But, but you know, it's like... It's voice modulation the, yeah. from, the, from the undisclosed location. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the undisclosed location. <laughs> hey, you know... Uh, He's under the giant. Yeah, yeah. They struck out six times today, and that makes me happy. You know, that's the that's that's Jordan Young's for you. So, so, but uh, but yeah, but you know, he he's right though. I mean, amazing when you are putting the ball in play, Mm -hmm. what is happening? Yeah. Well, it'd be a be quite the stretch. Like I said, eight and eight wins in a row. Uh, Could be ten. I mean, they've. Baltimore leading the American League and just were made to look helpless in the first game of that series. So yeah, and also, I mean, hopefully this information isn't too outdated by the time we post this. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, a nine to 
92 victory. And, you know, Baltimore's strength is not their starting pitching. Um, one other tweet that I, that I, or not a tweet, Reddit post that I loved, um, that I did share with Jordan the Giant, um, was, uh, there was a guy that, um, was, the Cardinals were trying to get Logan Gilbert. And they, you know, they didn't want to trade Goldschmidt. They didn't want to trade Arenado. They didn't want to trade Walker, who's their 21-year-old, who's can play all over the place and hit the ball. And they didn't want to trade, like, their top. They didn't want to trade somebody else. And their package was just, uh, basically, the Reddit person was like, who the explicative wants to trade our starting pitcher for a, uh, what do they call the Newt Bar was it, you know, a, a a a fourth outfielder who can't get on the field on a last place team, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like, I mean, that's really it, you know. I mean, trades is trades, especially when you are a, a team, you know. I think gone are the days of the real, almost in any sport, it seems, of the, the trade where you just dump somebody. I guess football more because it's a hard, hard salary cap, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of positions, but. You know, baseball, it's going to hurt a little bit to trade, oh, yeah. you know. Um, and a lot of Mariner fans were upset when Seawald was traded. I didn't really care. I mean, I, okay, I'm sad to see him go. He was doing well this year, but two and a half years ago, nobody knew who Seawald was. Right. And now he's a 35, 34-year-old reliever who, in his first game, he didn't play like the first week he was there. In his first game, he blew a save by giving up two home runs. Oh, so, you. yeah, and, and his OPS plus... Uh, at Seattle is, you know, half of what it is on the road. So, um, but uh, switching gears now, um, talk a little college football, a little realignment talk. Uh, I'm sure that'll make everybody up here really happy. Re- really happy. You as an un un uh, unpartial, uh, I mean, uh, enjoyer of. I guess when you were up here, it was the Pac-10 conference, and then it became, when you first moved here, and then a couple years after you moved here, it became the Mm -hmm. Pac-12. I know you've been friendly with some people from, that are Oregon Ducks fans, (laughs) think maybe Washington State fans, but uh, we like to think you, uh, no, you're you're impartial on this. What are your thoughts, and I say this as, obviously, Washington and Oregon have left the Pac-12. Pac-12 to go to the Big Ten. It has essentially killed the conference. A lot of anger coming from Pullman, Washington. People blaming the Huskies for killing the conference. Um, I mean, obviously, I understand where the anger comes from. I would say when you lose two teams from Los Angeles, that effectively is the death nail in the conference. Then it comes out this week from uh, John Canzano, based out of Portland, one of the best, uh, I mean, he was a columnist for the Oregonian for a long time, close to the bald-headed truth, bald-faced truth. <laughs> no, he's bald-headed, but I think it's a bald-faced truth. Sorry, John. That doesn't jump well, so that's but anyways. He's got a vanity search. He's, he's got a vanity search. I, I really like Gonzano. Gonzano's great, but, you know, was a columnist. I, he still writes columns, but he's a very good reporter as well. And he said, he reported on his Substack stack uh, two days ago that in the fall of last year, that the schools had a $30 million each mm. offer from the Pac-12. Mm. You know, with SC and UCLA were gone, and they laughed, in, not laughed in the face, but said, no, we want 50. And ESPN was like, okay. 
Here you go, Big 12, your, your conference of yeah. record. Yeah. And then there was this deal. Now I'm asking it. This is probably the longest question I've ever asked you. Uh, maybe. But uh, the other part is Apple had a deal, supposedly, that was going to be worth $23 million. But all the games were going to be on Apple. And if you hit a certain incentive, you could get up to whatever, 50. That's what a lot of people that are... The, the schools that were left out, okay, we want this contract, and then we could get up there. But Apple also had a two-year out clause. So basically, UW leave. Well, Colorado left. UW and Oregon leave. And Colorado leaves for the Big 12. Then Arizona, Arizona State, who, mind you, have the same Board of Regents. They took off together. And then Colorado, or Utah, excuse me, left for the Big 12, too. So... What are your thoughts on all this? That was the longest question I've ever asked you. <laughs> well, you know, you mentioned Wazoo and their fans being mad. I, I imagine Oregon State fans are... Oh, yes. It's the same with Oregon yeah, State fans. It's yes. one of those where they see UCLA and U, uh, USC take off. They're like, okay, you know, kind of connected schools. You see Arizona, Arizona State, they leave together. Uh, Utah and Colorado, not even close to really being together, but ge- geographically, we'll just say for the sake of argument... But you take Oregon going to the Big Ten without any kind of fallback for Oregon State, which kind of that's not their responsibility. They're not in charge of, you know, looking out for, for Oregon State. Same thing with the Huskies and Wazoo. Now you've split up these these centuries old rivalries and you know there was actually as much as I hate to give the, the devil his due, um Missouri uh, head football coach uh Eli Drinkwitz yes. Uh, in the middle of his latest campaign to duck the University of Kansas, um, <laughs> I think they actually start a series next year. But um, he made this. He made actually a, a terrific point where all of this, all of the realignment, is being driven by football. Great, big football rivalries. You know, new yes. places for everyone to go. Fantastic. What's going to happen with these smaller sports? You know, you've got teams that, and, and you know, athletes from. Uh, from the the softball teams have come out on uh, on social media upset and uh, you know you've got now you've got Pac twelve, well formerly Pac twelve uh, athletes having to fly all the way to the glorious destination of Piscataway, New Jersey, Ooh. to get the talk uh, about falling upwards with Rutgers. Okay, I'm sorry, yeah. man, that is that is like the pinnacle right there uh, to go play games at Rutgers, which. I don't know what sport Rutgers is particularly good at, if they have one, um, but uh, they're not really something that's going to drive me to want to go to their conference, unless you really are that ne- needing you know, a couple of easy wins a year, depending on what sport you're in. Uh, the, the geographic ridiculousness has just gotten out of control. Um, you're right, I do say this as kind of a non-biased observer here, as as my conference absorbed 19 more schools, I think, or something. I don't even remember what we're at. And I think we're up to the big 16. Um, the big 10 is now at 18. Uh-huh. Uh, who's left? The the American? No. The Big East is, they were at like 26 plus the Falkland Islands somewhere, I think. <laughs> uh, the ACC and SEC are, you know, kind of whatever. But now rumblings, maybe North Carolina, Florida State might be mad. And they might be trying to move. Who knows? But I, I think at some point, uh, and I wish I could find a, who I could attribute this to, because I did read an actual really good 
uh, idea uh, through through the X, where at this point, you know, you've got schools like Notre Dame independent in football only, but then they have to be part of a conference for basketball, for yeah. baseball, for all the things. At this point, what's stopping college football from, other than probably TV contracts, from just blowing the whole thing up, going everybody independent, and just and keeping everyone in their same conferences for other sports, but then that way football's not really the driving force to basically ruin everything else. I know it's basically an impossibility because then you have to geographically figure out who's going to play where, how do we determine, you know, playoffs and fairness of schedule and blah, 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 blah. Total pipe dream, but, you know, still an interesting thing to think about. I'm honestly, I've been, I've been over realignment for probably since it started, you know, Colorado and Missouri left and Nebraska left the Big 12 and it was kind of like, okay, well, those are three annoying schools that left, fine, whatever. Bring in West Virginia, didn't really feel like a Big 12 school, but they've kind of grown on me in the in the past decade plus. Now we're going Cincinnati. Okay, still staying Midwest. Makes some kind of sense. Central Florida will always be the weird, like, yeah. okay, the Florida market. That's that's fine. That'll help recruiting. But, I mean, basketball season is, is going to be spectacular because you're going to Arizona, Arizona State, once, once or twice a year. Uh, Cincinnati's gotten, they've rebuilt their basketball program. They obviously rebuilt the football program as well. They were in the playoff uh, last, you know, in the last few years. Um, you know, we, we actually had the, the distinct advantage of people wanting to come to us this time instead of trying to protect our teams from going somewhere else. So it's, it's really hard to, to have a stance on, on realignment that's positive. Yeah, it's very, I mean, you, you've hit the nail on the head on that. I mean, it, it is funny when you think, uh, I mean, there's a lot, of, a lot of meat on this bone, right? But, uh, I mean, like I saw somebody, somebody on X, um, I'm just always going to call it Twitter. I saw somebody on Twitter, you know, like talking about Oregon State. Mm-hmm. You have a, a team that beat Florida in a bowl game. Last year, smoked Florida in a bowl game. It was like thirty-eight-three or something. Yeah, Florida just wasn't even. They didn't <laughs> they, care. They didn't even care. They're going to be top twenty this year. I think they are in the first poll. Brett McMurphy shared his poll. He had Oregon State second behind Washington. Uh, some people will argue that, but oh, conference-wise, I thought you were talking about. Oh no 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 no, 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 conference-wise, conference-wise, <laughs> second, second in the conference. Say, what a homer! Put a uh, UW number one. Okay. <laughs> yeah, in the last five years, they've gone to an elite, elite eight. Right? What was that? I can't remember if that was 2021 or 2019. I think it's 2021. Correct. Forgive me if I'm wrong. And, uh, and then uh, they've won three baseball national championships in 20 years. And that school is without a conference. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, and, and you know, I, I didn't really think about it this. I heard someone, I think it was on KJR, talk about, you know, the problem for a school. They were talking about Wazoo, but it's going to be the same thing with Oregon State. These coaches have built these programs well, unless something gets sorted out and there can be a bid, I mean, there's going to be a mass exodus of transfer. If they, if both those schools drop down to the Mountain West mm-hmm. Conference, boom. I mean, I, I didn't even think about how many of these kids are going to transfer because they thought they were playing in a major conference. Yeah. And maybe the Mountain West becomes that one day. But, I mean, you're going from, you know, like the Mountain West contracts, it's like $4 million per school. 
Yeah. And, you know, Washington State's running at a deficit. I don't know what Oregon State's situation is. But, but again, it's just... Uh, but I will uh, cite uh, probably the biggest college football fan I know, Cody Peterson, who has come on this podcast mm-hmm. a few times. He used to co-host uh, Best Coast Football with the fine gentleman, but he's a USC alum. And he hits the nail on the head, you know, like, it is, I mean, what was going on that USC was making the same amount of money as, I mean, Oregon State and Washington State? Yeah. It's a revenue sharing. I mean, you know. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure, and I'm guessing that's probably part of the reason why they left is, hey, we we can get that bigger piece and we're sharing it with schools. I mean, now, now we're going to share it with Oregon and Washington again. We couldn't get away from you guys. Well, and, and, and supposedly that's a thing, right? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. Oregon, USC was kind of hoping to get away from both the schools. Because, I mean, Washington, historically, they go into California and get the guys. I mean, obviously, the, 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 the old adage is the top 25 kids in the state of California are going to end up going to... USC. Mm. When Carroll was there, he was more nationally focused, and I'm sure Lincoln Riley is too. But the top kids in California go to SC, Mm. and then some might go to UCLA. But Washington and now Oregon, the last 25 years, they go in there and get the other best kids. Then it's become a national game. But you know what? UW, some of their best players are California kids, historically, California kids. Well, and and now, you know, you mentioned the, the Mountain West or. You know, obviously, Big Sky is a one double A in in football, so they can't go there. I guess they could. I mean, sometimes you wouldn't notice the difference, but no. and considering teams like Eastern and you know even North Dakota State, uh, Montana State have come in and all won games against Pac twelve opponents in the last yeah. ten years. You know, might be a logical step, but the Big West, I think that's the one everywhere. The Mountain West, that's that's kind of where everyone's assuming Wazoo and Oregon State go without thinking of, of the financial fallback. But where does that leave Cal and Stanford? Like, you have, you'd figure, you know, back even 15, 20 years ago, these are two schools you can't leave behind for anything. And now here's, here's Berkeley and, and Stanford just sitting there going, well, what about us? You know, they are, these four schools, they are the Fresh Prince meme where he's just standing there in the, in the, empty, uh, in the empty apartment. Well, now what do we do? Well, and, and and to your point earlier, you mentioned the ACC. Mm-hmm. Supposedly, uh, North Carolina, Florida State, Clemson, and North Carolina State all said, we don't want Cal and Stanford. And when you were talking about your boy uh, Drinkwitz, mm-hmm. Stanford is the epitome of that. Stanford, obviously, Harbaugh and David Shaw... Their, their two regimes had a nice decade stretch for Stanford football, nerd nation, you know. I mean, obviously put in, I mean, potential Hall of Famer and Richard Sherman. You had McCaffrey. You had Andrew Luck, angry Doug Baldwin. Uh, so, I mean, and, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. So many other great players came out of Stanford in good football. Basketball, it's been rough for them since Mike Montgomery left for the Warriors like what 20 years ago mm-hmm. not doing well 
now basketball program. But every other sport, the rest of the Olympic sports, I mean, uh, women's basketball, um, Tara Vanderveer, one of the best women's coaches of all time, right. leading their program, and they've won national championships. Every other sport, they win a national lot. championships. Yeah, they, win a lot. they are the, like, they are the, the reason, the reason the Pac 10, Pac 12 called themselves the Conference of Championships, because that's conference, whether it's, you know, UW and like crew or, or Stanford and everything. UCLA. I mean, UCLA a couple of years ago wore these jerseys because school won a hundred national championships oh, yeah, yeah. in sports. You know, they had special. Yeah, with the with the C was like outlined and in a different color. Yeah, different color. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, I mean, in, in in Stanford, you know, what what was I believe it was called the Sears Cup, not to be confused with the Fulmer Cup, <laughs> which is the, the Sears Cup is like your total points, but Stanford's always. Winning it or at the top there, yeah. the Fulmer Cup is arrests. I don't know who's winning the <laughs> Fulmer Cup these days, but yeah, uh, Alabama, no, Alabama, Georgia. yeah, Georgia, maybe. Georgia right now, yeah. <laughs> but but speeding's not a crime, but yeah, it's just murderous. Yeah, murder, yeah, yeah. Well, they don't worry. They they fired the woman who was in the other car, the staffer. <laughs> you know, yeah, we'll show her, I guess. Um, just scumbags. Um, She's like, it's retaliation. I, I didn't see any more of that. But I'm like, yeah, it seems like retaliation to yeah, me, too. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's a sad. It's it's sad state of, of uh, affairs. Now, again, you're non-biased. Mm-hmm. Uh, the big debate now is, well, it's kind of funny because, uh, I mean, obviously, we don't deny that I'm a Husky fan. Um, a lot of ex-Husky players... <laughs> Kind of taking some shots at Wazoo. <laughs> um, Brock Heward got a little salty on, uh, or not salty, made a crack about Penix tearing up the Cougs in the Apple Cup. A lot of Cougs got mad at that, though, because Brock famously threw five interceptions <laughs> in the uh, arguably the worst Apple Cup. Uh, there's the 92 Snowball that Bledsoe won in Pullman that knocked UW probably out of winning a back-to-back national championship. Uh, there's the 97 one that sent the Cougs, uh, Ryan Leaf, to take on Michigan in the Rose Bowl. The Huskies would have won. That was winner to the Rose Bowl game. The Cougs were a double. I was present at that one. And then, obviously, there's the 2008 Apple Cup, which uh, um, sealed the Huskies' fate. Actually, they had a game the next week against Cal but got smoked uh, for the 0-12 season. Uh, but the Cougs were terrible. I mean, the Cougs, the Huskies were terrible. The, the Cougs, I mean, obviously the Cougs won the game, but that was the worst football game I've ever seen play. It was like watching, uh, you ever watch like a, like kids playing football for the first time at like 10 years old? You ever see footage of it? I have watched Kansas football. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Kansas, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yeah. It was, yeah. it was, <laughs> it was like, it, yes, it was, uh, who was the guy? David Betty. It was like watching David Betty, uh, Beatty? Beatty. Beatty, yeah. uh, Kansas football. Uh, was watching the pillow fight that was the Apple Cup that year. Now, we can talk about the other times in you know, 2002 Apple Cup triple overtime where the Cougs, if they won, they would have gone to the BCS title game and the Huskies won that. But we won't talk about that. The real point of this is with the Huskies moving on to another conference, should the Apple Cup be played? Well... <laughs> You know, it's it's funny because it's because it's an in-state rivalry. So I think the I think the automatic answer is yes because you see games 
you know, Colorado, Colorado State. Yep. Never, I don't think, ever been in the same conference for anything. No. Still play annually. BYU and Utah. Before, the Holy War. Yeah, before before next year, always outside, you know, split conferences. Now they'll, they'll yeah. be bringing the, the Holy War to the Big 12. Well, they were in the, they were, uh, I think they were in the WAC. I mean, they were. Br- briefly mountain. But yeah, I know what you mean. The last decade plus. Yeah. Yes. For a while, they, they haven't been together, but they yeah. still keep those games. So I would say yes. I mean, you get Florida, Florida State, Miami yep. in Florida. Uh, Clemson, South Carolina. Yeah. Um, it's, I think yes. I, the short answer to that is yes. I think you keep the Apple Cup alive. The only problem is, you know, it's traditionally that Thanksgiving weekend game. Yes. Can you really squeeze that in now as with the, no. with a conference schedule? Likely no. So you're looking at that being a non-con every year. But same thing, Oregon, Oregon State to have the Civil War every year. You know, it just it brings a whole new. I think would bring a whole new level to to the rivalry games where <clears throat> now you're you're out of conference. So at this point, it doesn't. Yes, you're going to impact your your rivals standing in the conference, but now you can prove superiority for wherever you are compared to where they ran off, and you can kind of you know throw it in their faces. Now, had this been a matter of you know of the Huskies leaving and Oregon staying put and going, well, should this series continue? I'd have said no. Kansas and Missouri they quit playing each other for fifteen years for the things. Um, until they started scheduling basketball, uh, was that last year, a couple years ago. But, yeah, in-state rivalry games, I think, need to stay uh, stay a thing, especially with the kind of history that they have. Georgia, Georgia Tech is another one that we uh, mm-hmm. that just popped in my head. Yes, um, so that that's kind of what it is. A lot of, uh, so the big debate now is, do you do it home and home? Because the Washington will say, well... I'm speaking for Washington, but if you know, it, especially if Wazoo is in a, you don't need to play it, right? Mm-hmm. right? And I mean, really, it's a benefit for Washington State in terms of you know, it's, it's house money, right? If they can, they're the ones reaping the benefits. They're getting the extra money, the extra exposure because everyone's basically gonna forget about them. Yeah, you know all the things. And that... if they knock off UW, it's embarrassing, especially if they. Drop down a conference. A mm-hmm. uh, lot of Coug fans are, we don't need to play it anymore. If we're going to play it, it needs to be a home and home. Hmm. So, I mean, but I would guess with the way college football is going now, uh, if you're Washington, uh, now there's talk that there's going to be a 10-game conference schedule. Oof. And then you play two... Uh, because the playoffs twelve right. games now, so you won't you'll use more of a record than you would with four, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the extra losses if you lose two games. Uh, so if you have two non conference games, you're gonna want the revenue right. from two home games. You know, you're not gonna. I mean, I I don't personally, I don't see a way that Washington. With the way that it's they're being in a quote unquote super conference now with eighteen teams, mm-hmm. uh, you know I don't see the benefit of going on the road for. I mean, the reason Alabama is Alabama, Nick Saban's an ace recruiter and all that stuff. But historically, I've complained to anyone who will listen. I mean, not complained. I mean, I had to hit to them, but Alabama does not travel for road non conference games. Right. 
it's neutral site or bust for them. They just yeah. don't play, not, and I mean that's that's an advantage, yeah. especially when you're Washington, and you're already traveling. Now, granted, Pullman's not that far away, but why not? And people say, well, why don't we do the Apple Cup at Lumen Field? That was going to be my next question. Is you know why not? It's technically a neutral site. Split the revenue on it. And that's what they do for, you mentioned the first one you mentioned, Colorado, Colorado State. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's tough because it's, uh, you know, you're, uh, I mean, I don't think Washington State would want that, even though for no. close to 10 years they played a game at, at Lumen Field. Um, well, a couple of those games. They were like cheap tickets, so I'd, eh, what the hell. Yeah, they were like. One of the, Oklahoma State one. Yeah, I was going to say Oklahoma State, and I remember they played Stanford couple of them would be like Grambling, which is kind of, you know, I mean, not to not Grambling. It was just a lower division, yeah, lower so that's, division that's school. That's the thing that now they're in the place of. Yeah. You invite the smaller conference school up, give them a payday, kick yeah. your teeth in a little bit. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, the argument there would be, I mean, college football is meant to be played on college campuses. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, except the bowl games, which are meant to be played in beautiful settings. Yeah. Uh, sorry, sorry to the pinstripe and Fenway Bulls. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Wasn't there a Wrigley Bowl at one point? There, I think yes, there was because remember they could they had to stand on the same sideline they mm-hmm. couldn't get on the one yeah. Uh, what was the one? Didn't they have to like play only on half the size of the field or half the side of the field so they yes. drive one direction the entire yes. way? Yeah, that was yes. That was ridiculous. Uh, shout out to the Seattle Bowl. Hmm. Uh, I did not go to it. I had tickets. I could not go because of high school basketball. But a uh, friend of the podcast, Bruce Garrett, and. Friend hasn't been on, Brad Amrine. Uh, uh, they went with Bruce's dad. It was a uh, Georgia Tech-Stanford game with the winner. Well, no, I can't remember who won. But both the coaches uh, got offered the Notre Dame job <laughs> shortly after that. And one lied on his resume and the other was Tyron Willingham, the worst Coach in Husky history. But let's talk, talk about that painful memory. <laughs> the other one was Wake Forest in Oregon, which I believe Wake Forest beat Oregon. Uh, but then two times and they were out. But uh, yes, uh, sorry, randomly, uh, random thoughts about the Seattle Bowl. I think the, um, I think the big thing is, it's just, it, it is just very, it's very tough. You know, there's a lot of people mocking UW, saying it would have been easier to stay in whatever was left of the Pac-12 mm. and go that way. But, I mean, you know, a lot of people say, well, look how much, look how well it's done for Nebraska and Texas A&M changing conferences. And I'm like, well, that's a fair argument. Uh, if we want to take Nebraska, someone, you, who, I mean, mm. obviously your formative years, Nebraska, yep. It was a was a bad word, but I mean, <laughs> Nebraska. the The game of college football completely changed, and I don't think Nebraska changed with it. The scholarship limits hurt Nebraska. They don't have much of a. I mean, a lot of people say Washington doesn't have much of a national recruiting base, but Washington. I mean, the top recruits in the state of Washington are getting big time offers. Mm. And the last two top kids have gone to Ohio State. Yeah, you know, uh, the top kids in Nebraska. Are going to Nebraska. Are going to Nebraska. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they're not really getting offers from other places. And they used to, when there was no scholarship limits, able to just bring all these kids in. But now, you know, I yeah. mean, 
it probably, and this isn't a shot at your your school, but uh, Kansas probably doesn't have the 2008 run mm-hmm. without the scholarship era, right? Oh, I mean, right, yeah. You know, like... Yeah, no doubt, because we took a lot of guys that were, you know, very low low stars. I don't I don't even remember what Todd Reesing was, but I can guarantee you he wasn't a five-star recruit coming out yeah. of anywhere. Undersized guy. I mean, we had a converted quarterback as our top wide receiver in Kerry Meyer. Uh Good. We had. I mean, for somehow we had re- a really good defense, but a lot of it was homegrown. You know, I think, uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up later and just be sad at all the things I miss on this. But like Nick Reed, uh, Kansas guy, uh, uh, Kevin Kane, Blaine Banks, Floodman, same thing. That whole linebacker core. Uh, we got to keep Talib out of Texas somehow. I yeah. Because I mean, you know that. Fifteen years ago, your your recruiting was Texas, California, Florida. Hope to maybe you know maybe hit up in the Northwest a little bit. Northeast was kind of iffy. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of it was coming out of those three major yeah. beds. And 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 Mark Mangino for all the things that came out about him later. Which, anyways, whatever another yeah. conversation. Yeah. Uh, the man could recruit, especially out of Texas, and he brought in a lot of guys that, un you know under-the-radar sort of guys and just put them all together, which nowadays, who knows if you can do it, but I think Kansas is now signing four-star guys. I have no idea how this is happening. So it's just that whole new weird world. So, you know, just to kind of bring it back, like you said, all those years ago, Nebraska winning their their two rings uh, or their last two titles, it was, you know, a lot of lesser name and, and a style that no one could really match. Did they finally catch up to it? Maybe, but I think they still run not enough of a quote-unquote pro-based system where yeah. you know, you're know you going to see a lot of running, and if they can't run, the quarterback isn't equipped to throw it very well because he's that option-type guy, which, granted, everyone kind of wants right now, an RPO-style passer, Yeah, but they're not getting the guys that are going to be successful enough at it. Well, and, and I think... I think the biggest thing, you know, and Texas A and M's another one, you know, people talk about. I mean, I I mean I was going back and forth with Cody. The last decade, the last decade, Washington State has, you know, double digit more wins than Nebraska and has been to twice as many bowl games. Yep. You know, not including the the COVID year. Yeah. But you know, like But is that from from leaving a conference where you were an upper, kind of upper mid-level school, where when they left, Nebraska was still... I mean, I think this is where they had kind of hit their uh, their breaking point in the Big 12, and they were they were getting run off the field by teams, and, you know, no one was really afraid of Nebraska anymore. No. But you, you move to a new conference, and you stay in that lower level, and you can't rebuild because everyone's looking at how much of a doormat you are and going... I don't want to go there and get my head kicked in. I think I think it's that. I mean, in, in A and M, I mean, uh, I, I think the biggest thing is coaching hires. I, I think mm-hmm. people, I think people, downplay that so much mm-hmm. that they that they don't. And I mean, I'll give credit. I mean, what did you say? I'll give the devil its due. <laughs> look at, I mean, look at the uh, University of Oregon, mm-hmm. right? They, uh, um, Bilotti. Stepped down. They had Chip Kelly, who was a revelation mm-hmm. and, you know, game changer. And then he left, and they brought in Slingblade. And Helfrich, I mean, he 
took Mariota, and he had two bad years, and they kicked him out the door. And it's like, wow, this guy got us to a national title game two years ago. And but they're like, no, it's trending downwards. Yeah. And then they brought in uh, Taggart, mm-hmm. and Taggart had one year where he was, eh. but he got the Florida State job. Right, leaves for Florida State. Well, they dodged a bullet there because he was terrible at Florida State. Mm-hmm. Got run out in less than three years. And his replacement was um, like, Buddy... Uh, was like Cristobal? Cristobal, Mario Cristobal. And Cristobal is, I mean, one of the great recruiters of all time. But, you know, what, what, what was the joke? The only person that could stop... Uh, uh, the only person that could stop Justin Herbert was uh, Mario Cristobal, his offense, you know, when he was in college. Uh, I mean... Herbert also started during a 70-21 to 21 loss to Washington. Uh, and then now they have Dan Lanning. And, and we'll see. You know, Lanning's a young guy. He had a successful first season and uh, lost to Washington, though. So they, <laughs> some will say that's maybe not successful. But yep. he's a defensive guy, and their defense... You know, it's hard to have a good... you got to give coaches two years to see how their system really right. does. You know, after that second year, they're like, oh, okay. My whole point of this is there's a lot of people... That are saying, you know, Washington's going to go to Big Ten and they're going to struggle. Good luck going seven and five. And it's like, just depends on the coach. Mm-hmm. Rick Neuheisel won a Rose Bowl, but he won with Jim Lambright's players. Jim Lambright was a great recruiter, following after Don James, but he couldn't take him to, he always had that one loss. Neuheisel comes in, he was a good recruiter, but they kind of got away from what made Husky football Husky football. Gilbertson comes in. They put him as interim. He goes six and six. Like, okay, we'll keep going. Goes one and ten. They get a new athletic director, Todd Turner, who dissolved the athletic program at the department at the Vanderbilt. He wanted Tyrone Willingham. He was trying to get Tyrone. It brings Willingham in. Willingham was terrible. Sarkeesian shows up, builds the program up. But Sarkeesian, he's a levels guy. Mm-hmm. Seven win Sark. That's a, that was the nickname. He leaves. Boom. There's a lot of talent in the cupboard. What happens? Two years later, Chris Peterson takes the team to the national playoff, also gets him into a Fiesta Bowl, also gets him into a Rose Bowl. He leaves. Jimmy Lake, terrible in his two years there, punches, a, or not punches, a, hits the player, supposedly. They fire him. They bring in DeBoer. DeBoer shows up, has the talent, finds a quarterback, boom, yeah. 11 wins. It's all based on coaching. It's not that, no, we got to see, can DeBoer recruit? Can he build these offenses can they get a defense in there you know and that's just something I mean who's been a good Nebraska coach the last two decades didn't uh Pelini Pelini had his had a had a nice little run Callahan no he was before I think they left no he no Callahan took, took Callahan took was the, from the Raider job that's right yeah kind of they've just kind of gone from average to average to Scott Frost to whatever's come after him they got Matt Rule now, who had success at Baylor, but he also showed up and in two years did well, but that was following Bryles, who had who was recruiting talent there. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the thing, I guess the thing is, Pelini was good. He'd have 10, 10 win seasons, but they weren't going to, didn't seem like they were ever really competing in those 10 win seasons. Yeah. And that was with the old big... Big 11. Yeah. Where it was a little bit, it felt almost a little easier to maybe be successful or when they went to 13 or 14 or something. But yeah, it, it's, um, 
this year is going to be a very strange year of college football. Yes. Because you're going to have so many of these teams on their farewell tours that are, you know, fan bases of the opponents are just going to want to give them kind of, you know, you kind of say it as they want to give them the business on the way out. And, you know, unless you're uh, Cal and Stanford, which who knows if anyone's going to show up. Um, but, I mean, I, you know. I, I would not want to go to Wazoo uh, this year. I know. Or Oregon or State. Oregon, Oregon State. State, you never want to go. Yeah. I mean, well, great fan bases. It's just like they are going to be the worst environment. Oh, yeah. That's what, that's what I meant about Oregon State. Oregon State, I mean, you talk to USC fans. They, they have USC has historically tripped up yeah. in Corvallis. And that weird fog game from like 15 years ago. <laughs> um, we're going to put pause on this real quick. We're going to come back. We're going to finish up the college conversation. Then we'll talk a little pro, and then I will let you leave. Okay. All right, we are back. But, yeah, the Pac-12 is dissolving, and you literally have Oregon, Washington, USC, and Utah, who are probably all – oh, and Oregon State, all potential conference champions. A lot of people are loving Colorado. It's like, let's pump the brakes (laughs) on Colorado. I mean – yeah, I, I, well, and this could go back to your earlier point. Dion came from a from a small school, Jacksonville State, built them up into into a into a powerful school in that conference. Will his style and essentially his players? Because didn't he just bring the entire Jacksonville State roster to Colorado anyway, and told all the Colorado players get the hell out? Uh, I heard somebody say there are ten guys that were on the roster last year that are still on the roster huh. this year. Which, I mean, that's 85 scholarship guys, and then, you know, there's walk-ons that might have stuck around, but yeah. yes. Yeah, so, you know, you're, you're basically playing last year's Jacksonville State roster. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah, let's, let's not, not get too excited yet. Bigger conference, bigger, bigger ambitions, and that first game where they see, you know, UCLA lined up across from them or, or whoever's, you know, when they play in a, a bigger conference, um, what kind of what kind of tricks can he pull out? Um, yeah, it, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. Uh, when we were talking last segment, I kept thinking into my mind about college football. Um, you have uh, you have cable, right? And you have all these streaming services, and it's like, wouldn't it be great if we had one place where we could watch all these TV shows together <laughs> and what would we call it? And that's the same thing with college football. I mean, you're right. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's tough because you were talking about last segment too with uh, Drinkwitz. You know, you got you got all these all these other sports, but I mean, the reality of the situation for most schools, there's one thing that makes money. Mm-hmm. There are other schools. Oh, yeah. There are other. I mean, the obviously Duke. Men's basketball makes money, and and I'm sure Connecticut, Connecticut women's basketball makes a ton. You know, well, even the <laughs> men's and na- women's national women's, yeah. champion men. Yep, I keep forgetting anyone, but yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, but you know, there there are those schools, but I don't know if UW men's and women's basketball. That that's the other thing too. I mean, you, you see all these. I mean, UW is not good in the Pac-12, and now it's like, oh yeah, let's go play. Michigan State and Purdue and basketball. This will go well. Um, and then uh, 
to, to your conference, the Big 16. What an awesome basketball conference. I mean, yeah. Arizona State and Utah or whatever, but you had Arizona. Right. So now you have recent national champions in Kansas, mm-hmm. Baylor. Mm-hmm. Um, Te- Texas Tech went to, went a, to a title game. game. Uh, I mean, Oklahoma State is, you know, they haven't been the best lately, but they're... I like to call them perennially annoying. Yes. Because they can just win games that you're not expecting and then just show up and, and make a run. But then it seems like there's a decade. Like, once a decade, they just are in the Final Four. Yeah. Um, it's a good basketball. Mm. I mean, Kansas State, I know you hate them. Went to an Elite Eight. Went to an Elite Eight. Lost to an Eight seed. Lost to an Eight Yeah, yes. yes. <laughs> we're a fun team. To, that point guard was fun to watch. Yeah, though. no. Noel and, and, uh, and Johnson were, were fantastic to watch and... You know, they again annoying team to play against, and I know a lot of people will do the well if if you know if Kansas is out, then I'll I'll kind of quietly root for K State. I won't do it. I can't. <laughs> no, I, just, I don't. I don't get it. But eat, to each your own. I will not judge you too harshly to, for it. To to who? To each row. To each your own. No, uh, oh, to each row. Oh, to Mariners Hall of Famer. Each oh, your yeah, own, their you. own. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, the the basketball schedules are going to be nuts this year, but. I guess in the end, to kind of if if you're wanting to wrap this conversation, yeah, yeah. this part. Oh, by the way, uh, Colorado's first game, uh, TCU, uh, the team that we last saw get obliterated in the yeah. national championship game, but beat Michigan. Yeah. In a in a semifinal, so you know TCU's been to a national championship game. Then they come home, play against Nebraska. They're already ten point underdogs to Nebraska at home. Before Colorado State, as we mentioned, the the out of conference, you know, home state rivalry, and <clears throat> they start their conference schedule at Oregon, home for uh, home for USC, and at Arizona State. One thing, can I interject before yeah. you put your final point to wrap this yeah. up? I mean, that's why I get annoyed when you know I hear people say, "Oh, good luck, Washington," and you know, I mean, in Oregon as well. I mean, Oregon, they're. They went to the big house a couple of years ago. Or not big house, the horseshoe and won. Mm-hmm. They've gone to the big house and won. UW, had, when UW has been good, I mean, I've sat at Husky Stadium and watched UW beat Nebraska and Michigan. And now, granted, lately, Washington has never done well against the Ohio State University. <laughs> but, you know, uh, Michigan State, I went to the game last year. UW beat the brakes off Michigan State, mm-hmm. you know, and... You know, there's, yes, there's, I mean, there's Ohio State, and then there's Michigan, and then probably Penn State underneath there. But, like, the rest of those teams, Wisconsin's Wisconsin's good. Mm-hmm. I mean, Wisconsin, the last decade, hasn't been really any better than UW. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I'll give you Michigan, I'll give you... Ohio State, I'll give you... Well, Michigan's only been to the one uh, one playoff appearance like UW has. But the last decade, you know, Penn State beat UW, but they did not go to the playoff. But, you know, you know, it was Washington and Oregon have both gone to the playoff the last decade. It, it, I think people are forgetting this is still a conference that has Indiana football. Purdue, once their coach gets a little bit of success, he's out. Northwestern... That is, I mean, the coaches are wearing, the coaching staff seems to need, they need to be all flushed out because they're wearing shirts that are supportive of yeah. Pat Fitzgerald. Uh, 
Illinois, I mean, sorry, uh, friend of the program, uh, uh, Justin Neely, who's been on talking about uh, his favorite Rodgers. I mean, Illinois, they're fine. But they got Bielema. They're going to be playing like the old Wisconsin, I guess. But, you know, Nebraska, as we, I mean, have illustrated, has not been a good program. Rutgers, Maryland football with Mike Loxley. I mean, that guy was not good when he's had it. I mean... (laughs) We just named Michigan State, like I said, UW beat the break. I mean, uh, people are acting, I mean, and I understand it. You want to see the Huskies fail. I mean, they've always wanted to see the Huskies fail. I mean, I, I saw it like, saw some Cougar fan. Well, UW, yeah, they're going to do great. The last six full seasons, or no, excuse me, of the last 20 full seasons, they've averaged six wins. And I'm like, okay, you're including the 0-8 season. Mm-hmm. Fair. But what's a more recent representation? The Huskies have won eight and a half games their last ten full seasons. Yeah. You know, and that includes a playoff appearance and two major bowl game appearances, two other major yeah. BC, or <laughs> New Year's Six. And then, you know, it's the same thing Oregon fans do. Oh, we've beaten you 15 of the last 18. Yep, there was a 12-game winning streak in there. Yep. The last six games, been three and three. Yep. You know, like... It, to me, that's... That's the best part of stats, is how you want to cherry... Manipulate them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, manipulate the stats. But yeah, sorry, you were going to wrap this conversation up. But no, I, I just, I'm curious, you know, as we as we go through, you know, the pros for uh, for these teams that are moving and all the, the, the fun things that we're going to see starting next season, where, in an ideal situation, if you, if you have to look in your crystal ball right now... Uh, by the way, an Apple TV deal doesn't sound like the worst thing. I mean, they... They're dipping their toes in. They've got they've got MLS as we've talked about. Yep. They've got so so they have the right to Leo Messi like every single one of his games. Apparently that's doubled. They're at like two million subscribers now. Oh. They they were hovering around a million. Messi came into Miami. Boom, everything's gone up. Anyways, uh, you know they get one. They get at least a baseball game every every Friday. Um, <clears throat> they're getting they're just kind of dipping themselves into into sports. Why not jump on it? Streaming's the way everything's going now anyway. Yeah, we laugh at at the Pac-12, you know, just kind of tossing away that $30 million of school and going, nope, give us 50. I I don't blame ESPN for going, oh, that's what, no, goodbye. You know, good luck. In a perfect world, or I guess in a perfect scenario, where do the the remaining Pac-Nomads go? So... Yeah, I mean, I, I you hope. I mean, it sounds like right now that they're going to try and poach some Mountain West schools and keep the pack name alive. I mean, to your to your point about the the deal, you're right. It wouldn't have been a bad deal, but as a West Coaster, uh, you know, we're always. I mean, you, you were out here when the Seahawks were making their Super Bowl runs, Southeast Alaska. I mean, how how often do you hear that? There's that little bit of paranoia, right? right. And you're losing the Los Angeles schools. Mm-hmm. So really, I would think, if you've got to hit these incentives, I think you're already forgotten about, I mean, what was it 2017? Was that the year 2017 or 2018? When Christian McCaffrey had the NCAA record season of total yards was just a menace. Led him to the Rose Bowl, beat Iowa. Uh, there's another team we forgot, Iowa, who can't <laughs> score points. You know, Oregon and Washington have prolific offenses, or did this past season. Uh, 
you know, like nine of his games started after, yeah. started seven or later. Right. And now Derek Henry ran for 2,000 yards and 20 touchdowns, but okay, a cog in the machine, or you are the machine. You know what I mean? And like, I'm not saying Derek Henry was the wrong choice, but to me personally, Christian McCaffrey, mm-hmm. you know, so there, even with a, even with an Apple deal, I don't think enough people yeah. would have gotten it. It would have felt more niche than, than anything. Well, yeah. I mean, it's... I mean, I feel like when you were growing up, you saw Washington games because ABC would put North... Would put West Coast games, big West Coast games would be seen in the middle of the day. Yeah. Now, with the arms races at TV, the big West Coast games will be at five. One will be. But you never see a big West Coast game. Mm-hmm. You never really see a big... Washington, USC, Washington, Oregon at noon mm. on noon West Coast time, right. 3.30 yeah. East Coast time. So, yeah. yeah. If if they do, if these teams do absorb Mountain West teams, do they keep the Pac-12 name alive or do they just kind of hang their heads and go, well, we're bringing you I think in, you keep so. the Pac name alive. Okay. Which I don't disagree with. I mean. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a traditional. Oregon State won national championships. I mean. The the Cougars, I mean, it's funny, I've told this story, uh, not on the podcast, but my grandmother is a proud Washington State Teachers College or Washington State College alum, <laughs> um, which always, you know, my mom was always like, you know, and, uh, talking about, you know, me not liking the Cougars as much as I did. And I said, I I only wanted the Cougars to do well because of my grandma, because mm-hmm. the rest of the time, and I never really wanted them to do well, the rest of the time... Their fans, I mean, you know, I, I've talked about their fans, but you know, right. they're, they're fans. They are the, uh, they are, they are the fun police. They're the gatekeepers. Yeah. They're the gatekeepers. They're the same people that say, oh, you're a grown man. Why are you wearing a jersey? You know, and it's like, I don't know, because I love sports. Yeah. It's a jersey. I wouldn't wear another man's name on my back. Okay, so then you just wear black t-shirts because, I mean, if you wear a band t-shirt, you're wearing the... Yeah, you know, whatever. Uh, I'm not gonna say it's the dumbest fan base in the world. <laughs> yeah, we know how I feel about Washington State and Oregon and the San Francisco 49ers um, fan bases. But enough about that. Uh, um, sorry, what? What? Uh, well, you brought up the Macy. You've got me a couple of rants. I think I woke up from a nap and I chose violence. Uh, I like it. But, but yeah, no. Stormy is on board for this. No, I mean, like I said, Washington State and Cal and Stanford. I mean, they, I think they all deserve to. I mean, they didn't leave the conference. You know, why shouldn't they be able to use the name? Yep. It doesn't have obviously. It doesn't have the prestige when you have. I mean, Boise State. And yeah, I, I mean, when you talk about football, it's USC, mm-hmm. and then it's Washington, UCLA. And then it's Oregon. I mean, from a historical yeah, oh, for sure. perspective. Yeah. Washington and UCLA have the most Rose Bowl appearances, and you know, after that. And I mean, but USC is. And have USC. actually won national championships. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, there you go. Take that, Ducks. He's got as many natties in football as Kansas does. Yeah. Oh, oh wow. Wow. Just less uniforms. Man, I love to see it. But of course, they'll say. <laughs> 
We'll see. And this is why, oh man, Devin, Devin Washington State, you're making me say it, just the dumbest fan bases. So, <laughs> do you remember when they would give out the BCS title? I've probably said this on the podcast before. And they'd have, they'd give the national title, and it was that crystal football. Yeah. So, you know, UW has that in the 91 from the trophy case. That's mm-hmm. in the, the one. So they say, oh, we got half a title. And I just want to be like, you, you guys. And, and this, is, this is why both those fan bases are dumb, too, because they'll be, they'll say, Oh, well, look at you. Do I need to keep saying that their fan bases are dumb? I mean, I guess that's, that's rude. I'm sorry. This is, this is why. Um, but, the, but they'll be like, right now they'll say, oh, we've worked you up, so we've done our goal. You know, it's always, it's always deferring. It's always moving the goalposts. L- listenership yes. in, the, uh, eat in the Palouse and, and south of Portland is going to struggle. Lane County and, yeah, whatever. Whitman, Lane and Whitman County. Uh, but when you have that... Crystal National Championship. You can say, oh, you only have half a national championship. Okay, that's fine. Let's, you know, get your CPA degrees and let's go audit national championships. <laughs> because there's no way in bleep that the Alabama has as many national championships as the Notre Dame. I mean, like, you would think with all the national championships that are out there, they're playing back in the days of the Romans because there's so many <laughs> darn national championships out Central there. Central Florida has theirs. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> like, I mean, that's the thing with like UW. I mean, there's a Helms National Championship that they claimed a few years ago. Two of those at Kansas. Yeah, yeah, 1961. And then also there's a lot of debate about UW in the 1984 where somebody – Call them a national championship. They haven't claimed. I mean, schools have unclaimed national championships <laughs> as well. Um, but yes, sorry. Can I? Th- let me just shift over to to. <laughs> we'll, we'll 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 end it up briefly on the NFL. NFL is here. First week of preseason games. Uh, I kind of gave up on the Seahawks preseason game because King Five over here was having technical difficulties. I wish I could say it was better on the east side of the state. Um, <clears throat> so NFL Network had it blocked out as made sense because it's a local game or a local market. Um, and uh, Fox in, uh, in, in the act, just, they were, I mean, they contractually, they had the quarterfinal game of the uh, Women's World Cup, uh, Spain and... Netherlands? Brains broken. Netherlands, thank no, you. Yep. Uh, <clears throat> was in the, the second half of extra time. It was like 112th minute. And all of a sudden the screen goes black. We're going, I'm just looking going, what, Why? Apparently, and the game ended before the the uh, full 120. So they would have, if they would have left it alone, everything would have been fine. Uh, <laughs> and for the next like 10 plus minutes, it's just a loop of black screen commercials, black screen commercials, and then finally, uh, Fox Yakima picks it up an hour after it starts. Let's go ahead and start by uh, with that. They started. They they it was scheduled to start at eight o'clock. Um, on the Fox affiliate. So an hour delay. Yeah, an hour tape delay. I think because of the World Cup. Yeah, yeah. They, they kind of built it in and knew what was going to happen. Um, and then I guess I I stopped watching. I just was like, I'm done. I don't care anymore. Uh, but I guess I was reading Facebook comments and they were having the same production or same issues uh, on that feed as well. So... If you got to see any of the Seahawks game on Thursday, congrats. Uh, apparently, we just weren't lucky enough to stick with or, or just didn't have the, the interest in holding on to it for that long for our first preseason game. So, why why King 5 is getting beat up is because up until this year, it was always run on 
Q13. Mm-hmm. I know they've rebranded as Fox 13. It's always Q13. I'm not going to call you Fox 13. <laughs> I mean, I am calling you Fox 13, but you're Q13, Q13, Q13. Uh, and uh, they, um, so uh, all the, so now the King is the official Seahawks station, which is always kind of weird because King 5 will maybe have like one regular season Hawks game. They'll have one mm-hmm. Thanksgiving night. They might have another if a game gets flexed. You know, like, Fox always seems like the more logical because most Seahawks games, there's going to be... On Fox. Yeah, 10 of the Seahawks <clears throat> games at least are going to be on Fox. Uh, so anyway, um, didn't really... There was a lot of technical difficulties, and I just kind of gave up. I mean, Gino wasn't playing. Decaf Metcalf wasn't playing. Um, Lockett, you know. Uh, scary situation, Kate Johnson... Got hurt, went into the medical tent, and then they brought an ambulance out and mm. took him to Harborview. Thankfully, Harborview is right there. Uh, the Hawks won. That's cool. Jake Bobo had a good game. Everybody's big on Jake Bobo. Yeah. Uh, you know, guys, uh, it's always funny, too. Derek Hall, their second-round pick, had a nice hit on the Vikings' backup quarterback. and But he drove him to the ground, and he got a flag. And it's just like, oh, my God. Gosh, you know, it's like... In case you forgot how absurd yeah. the rules have become. Like, I mean, was it? Yeah, maybe. But, I mean, like, it's the, it wasn't late. I mean, it's yeah. pressure. and uh, But, you know, guy, guys got to learn how to play football. Yeah. But uh, uh, anything that you've noticed from, uh, from preseason football? You know, I honestly, I didn't watch or really see much of last night or of, uh, of the Friday night games. I think they've got a full, like, big schedule... Uh, games running all day today. Uh, apparently, Justin Fields has uh, entered the Hall of Fame. He was three for three at one point with two touchdown passes. Let's just gloss over the fact that they went less than 10 yards in the air, whatever. Uh, but, you know, uh, it's a first preseason game. You know, some teams are going to play a couple starters. Some aren't. Like you mentioned, the Seahawks didn't. Patriots didn't play uh, McCorkle. Um, I'm pretty sure Ramondre Stevenson didn't play the majority of the first string offense. Uh, we did get CJ Stroud's first professional interception, so that's exciting. Uh, I hope Jalen Mills gave the ball back to him or didn't. Not really a lot you can you can take out of a out of a first preseason game. Like how did the rookies adjust or see the see the speed of the game? Um, you know, I think that second game. Now that there's only three, the second one is as they use as the more traditional quote-unquote dress rehearsal you see yeah. that second and third games you're going to see more uh more of the starters play but really not a whole lot you can you can take from a, a very first preseason game yeah it's tough it's, it's funny because you think about what was it um i mean shoot a decade ago when there were four preseason games it would be yeah the starters will do a series or two of the first game mm-hmm. then the second game they might play the first half then the third game, it's the dress rehearsal. They'll yeah. play three quarters and pull them. And then the fourth game, nobody plays. Right. And But it was always weird the fourth game because they'd cut a bunch of guys beforehand. And then now they're like, we're not going to cut anybody until the preseason games are over. And maybe maybe we won't play much. I mean, Marshawn Lynch famously didn't really play much in the preseason games. I did uh, hear, I believe it was Florio was on... Uh, one of the Seattle radio, Softies radio show in Seattle uh, this week. And they were talking about the NFL. And he said, yeah, pretty soon it'll probably be an 18-game schedule. 
Ugh. with two preseason games. And, you know, Florio, who's probably late 50s, early 60s, said he wouldn't be surprised if in his lifetime it goes to zero preseason and 20 wow. regular season games. Which... How many buys do you get at that point? I mean, you got to have multiple buys. Yeah, you're building the second bye week. Man, if you go 20 games, even a third... Uh, just I mean, what what happens then? Do you, long football. Do you, well, yeah, pretty much. I mean, like, with that, I guess we'll end on that. Because uh, I, I believe uh, producer Stormy, who's been sleeping a lot, or death glaring Kevin. True. Uh, She's been to giving me the wrap it up signal a few times on points, just with her eyes. I'm not really sure. Well, I, I think it's just you talking is, is the problem. <laughs> That's what it is. Uh, but well, you'll be back in two weeks, and we'll have a little more... Uh, little more thoughts on football yeah. uh, or more not as much realignment maybe we'll have a realignment talk too but um, I mean okay so let's say you do go to this we'll, we'll end on a hypothetical because that's what everybody loves <laughs> uh, you go to a 20 game season right you got to have two I mean shoot I'd almost put three buys in there yeah uh, I mean the good luck to the schedule makers uh, but I mean when do you start the season I think you keep the start at the at its traditional time uh, after Labor Day. Give college football the first week, uh, that Labor Day weekend. So your Super Bowl's in March now? Well, I mean, it's a great birthday present for me. Um, well, that's the end of March, so I guess now you're running into baseball season and WrestleMania. So, no, let's kind of cut it back here. Um, I mean, well, I mean, really, you're looking into February at this point if you, if you keep it at the same point because, you know, what... I guess if you, because the NFL, they're they're going to run into trying to talk about the quote unquote health and safety of the players, while having a twenty game season, while having no preseason, while then starting the season in what, or starting training camps with June first. Yeah, you'd almost you know? have to start in June. Uh, yeah, because now you're running into or end of end of June. Yeah, end of June. End of June. Yeah. Start camps, have preseason. Well, no preseason. We just talked about this. Have games start like August first. You know, you're pushing the schedule to start a month earlier. Yeah, I think that might be your only your only recourse because the Super Bowl is now getting first weekend, sometimes second weekend of February. You're still. Looking, I think it's consistently second weekend now. Yeah, so, yeah. So you're looking if you if you really want to have a twenty game season and have the three bye weeks and you know, I or even if you about, just have two bye weeks. Yeah, if you have two, you're still looking early or first part of August, before the college football season even starts, um, ending, you know, end of end of January, mid, mid-February, if you want to try and keep it on that schedule. Otherwise, you're looking August to beginning of March, and then then you're cutting down on recovery time for a lot of players. But when we were growing up, remember, the NFL season did start Labor Day weekend. Yeah. So, I mean, you could move it back to that. And, uh, I mean, since college football, as we've talked about, is doing their poor uh, <laughs> impression of a professional sports league. Uh, but, yeah, you've got, I mean, I just, I don't know. I mean, I think. Well, and, and you think, too, sorry to interrupt. Oh, yeah, no, no. You know, you think about when we were growing up, the NFL schedule was, what, 14 games? There, no, it's, only, it's only been 16, right, right, right before we were born, so okay. 16. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, we, so we've seen the progression, and granted, that's probably mainly because the league blew up expansion. You yeah. know, more teams, you got to yeah. have more games. But there was a time where, you know, 12, 14 games was the norm. Uh, 80s, then it became 16. I'm guessing there were conversations similar to this. But if you're not, if you're not expanding the league, 
which of course is always on the mind of of, of Commissioner Red, uh, then you know now they're probably looking at the 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 England teams or the Germany teams or wherever, and and so now you abs- you absolutely have to have that extra time built in, but I, yeah, I I just I don't know where it ends and you know they're gonna talk like I said, that's kind of wrapping it back around they're gonna talk health and safety no preseason so you only have training camp so your first live action is a game that counts so your first what doesn't make any sense yeah your first four or five games are just gonna be train wrecks until everybody figures out their yeah. system and their games less time for players to come back from injury because you know Guys playing in conference championships and the playoffs and the Super Bowl, they wait until after those games to have surgery. Yeah. Well, here's your six, seven month return table for, you know, having a surgery at, at the end of or end of January, coming back first couple weeks in July, kind of getting in stride in August and then be ready in September. Now you have to grow your, your pup lists for players that can't, yeah. they can't even play. You've got more guys hurt. I just, I don't know how they do it. Well, I don't think, they, yeah, men. I, I thought, as much as I love football, I thought having a 17th season, or 17th season, 17th <laughs> game was very greedy. Yeah. And I don't know how, I mean, quarterbacks can't get hit anymore. And there's still half or more of the quarterbacks can't make it through the season without yeah. missing a game or two. Yeah. You know. Well, and that's going to the new styles. Everyone's an RPO quarterback. Everyone can run. That's true. More chance to pull something to get hit on the run. Yeah, I just I don't know. It it's almost kind of a depressing way to to think about it. Well, it's like what's the dystopian future of the NFL? Well, like they said, I mean, right? Like when our grandparents were uh, roaming this earth. Uh, <laughs> no, sorry, that's but when, but when our grandparents were our age, right? Mm-hmm. You think about it. Uh, well, let's see here. Even before when our grandparents were like kids, mm-hmm. that'll be better. It was boxing. It was horse racing. You know, it was the Olympic sports. It was the Olympic sports, and and you know, baseball obviously mm-hmm. was the biggest league. Mm-hmm. And so now you're like, oh, okay, How, these sports, nothing will ever change. Sometimes I'm not saying this happened with, well, horse racing. I can see why it's you know not that it is boxing. I mean, it's. I mean, our whole lifetime, our whole conscious lifetime, right? Since we've been sports fans, boxing's just been corrupt. Yeah, you know, and there's no, you know, I mean, the best fights rarely happen, and when they do, you get Floyd Mayweather finally waiting for Pacquiao. Well, mm-hmm. waits till Pacquiao's past his prime, and then right. he beats him, and bah, you know, didn't want to risk his undefeated record to fight a in prime or you know prime Pacquiao. Anyway, it's long story short. I'm not a boxing guy. I just right. know a few things, but. uh you know, at some point, you know, Cubans talked about, you know, the golden goose can be killed, you know, and that's what you worry about with football is you get to 18 games. I mean, guys are bigger, faster, stronger. They need more recovery time. Mm-hmm. Even with rules that, even when the game is probably more ruled than it's ever been, guys still get horrific injuries. Yeah. And they need time to recover. I mean, the... Even a 16-game, well, even what you were talking about, 14-game season. Mm-hmm. Like proper recovery time. Yeah. Well, you know what? Maybe, maybe just maybe, next time you're on, we'll be a little more peppy. Yeah, we'll, we'll end on a more positive note. This was, sorry, I didn't mean to, to drag it down at the bottom there. Thanks again. 
to Kevin Mendelson for joining us. And like we said, next time he's on, we'll be a little happier about the state of football. We'll be, you know, we'll be only a couple weeks out at that point. So, yes. I'm Tim Kelly. This has been Courts and Fields. <laughs>